Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I am your host, Sky Guasco, and this is episode 87 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today, I'm talking about overvalued and undervalued quarterbacks and running backs according to their current ADP. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, let's get into our overvalued quarterbacks. These are players who have a current ADP higher than my personal ranking. Let's start with Carson Wentz, quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. He finished 22 last season. Of course, he only played 11 games, so he would have finished as the QB 15 or 16 if he were to play uh, 16 full games. Uh, He is right now the ADP 9, quarterback 9, going in the 7th round, back of the 7th round. I currently have him as the quarterback 14. This really has nothing to do with Carson Wentz's skill. I like all of his weapons. I like his skill. I like his play the last couple years when he's been on the field, but the injuries are starting to stack up already, and he's young, which I don't like to see. He tore his ACL in 2017. And missed three games at the end of that year. Of course, uh, Nick Foles took over at the end of the season throughout the playoffs, leading the Philadelphia Eagles over the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl there, namely the Philly Special. The next season he comes back, he misses the first two games of 2018. Then he plays 11 games, but leaves the final uh, three games, uh, two, three games again with a back issue. And this back issue has lingered in the offseason. Uh, and in April, it was reported that he still has stiffness in his back. So it's still early in the offseason, uh, the preseason, if you will. But I am concerned about these injuries stacking up on Carson Wentz. Um, I personally have him at 14. As I mentioned, his ADP is at nine. I would rather have Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, and Jameis Winston ahead of Carson Wentz as of right now, and all of those players are going behind him in ADP. So Carson Wentz, again, skill, not an issue. Scheme, not an issue. Uh, They let go of Nick Foles, who is now in Jacksonville, so that gives me a boat of confidence in Foles. But right now, with him being the quarterback nine in ADP, as I mentioned, other quarterbacks I would much rather have uh, above Wentz as of right now. So that's my first uh, concern in overvalued quarterback. So if you're going to draft Carson Wentz in the seventh round, make sure that you grab one of the late round QBs as well, because uh, we have not seen him stay healthy for a full 16 since his rookie season. Let's get into the second quarterback, which is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a tough one here. Of course, he is not available for a last year's finish as he is a rookie. The first overall pick for the Arizona Cardinals taking over for Josh Rosen, who is now in Miami. He is the ADP 11 quarterback. He's the 11th quarterback in ADP right now. And I frankly don't even have him ranked at the moment. Um, I have a note here that I'll probably put him in at QB 16-ish, assuming he is definitely the starter, which he probably will be, but we don't know for sure. Assuming he's the starter, I'll probably have him in the QB 16 range, which right now in my rankings, which I will uh, get to, uh, next week, I have him with Trubisky, Allen, Jackson, Cam Newton. Uh, as of right now, I'll probably boost Cam if he's fully healthy, but I'm concerned with that, which I'll get into in a minute. But 
Trubisky, Allen, and Jackson, I'll probably put him in that range right now. Uh, I'm definitely concerned about the offensive line for the Cardinals, which is the main the main issue here. Uh, the Arizona offensive line was number 32 per pro football focus. They had the league's second most pressures against at 218. They had the fourth most hurries against at 142. The second most hits on the quarterback at 42, which is obviously terrible. The second most sacks in the league at 34, and they ranked dead last among teams in snaps played per knockdown, which uh, is, again, getting a defender on your quarterback, which is never good, at 7.4. And they were dead last in plays per pressure at 2.6, snaps per hurry at 4, and total knockdowns at 76. All of these things are red flags for me, for Kyler Murray. They didn't do much during the draft to solidify the offensive line. They didn't do much in free agency to solidify the offensive line for a young quarterback. I personally don't think that his small frame is a detriment overall. We've seen shorter quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, be successful. Um, Baker Mayfield's not very big. Be successful in the NFL. So I'm not going to say that his frame of 5'10", 207 is a detriment necessarily. However, it doesn't help. And a quarterback that small getting tackled by, you know, 6'3", 260-pound defensive linemen or, or linebackers on a blitz or getting crushed underneath piles is not a good thing. So I am concerned about Kyler Murray in general. Again, it's early to say, so this might be a premature. Um, it's not even a, a hatred on him. It's, it's just kind of an early knock to pump the brakes a little bit on Kyler Murray. He's a rookie, A. B, he's playing for a bad team. I know that Cliff Kingsbury is coming in to try to light the world on fire with the air raid offense, which I'm stoked about if it works out. But he's got a lot of young receivers. He's got a lot of uh, bad offensive linemen and a running game with David Johnson. That could be great if they utilize it properly. But again, I'm a little bit concerned about Kyler Murray and longevity over 16 games. So we shall see what happens. We saw Baker Mayfield, uh, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, uh, Rosen just had a tough time with the Cardinals, of course, uh, but also Josh Allen all get kind of a, a, a slow start to the season last year. Now, they all did well once they came in. But again, to, to think that he's going to finish it at QB 11, um, I think could be a stretch. But again, if he's able to scramble and run the way that we think he can, really the best runner coming out of the draft since Michael Vick, if he's able to do that in the NFL and get space, if he's able to have a high completion percentage, which he had at Oklahoma, if he's able to throw the ball downfield, which Cliff Kingsbury um, is going to try to do with young receivers, I think he could be amazing, but right now, looking at his current ADP, uh, I would rather have Jameis Winston, Philip Rivers, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. So I'm a little bit concerned there, but we shall revisit this uh, coming forward, and we will see where I end up landing on Kyler Murray. But right now, he's a QB 11, and I would have him at the QB 16 if I were to rank him, but I have not even ranked him on purpose as of yet. Third on the list is Cam Newton, Carolina Panthers. He was quarterback number five at the time of his injury. He is right now the quarterback 12. I have him as the QB 18, as I just mentioned a second ago. And I have Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Mitch Trubisky, and Carson Wentz actually ahead of him. I'm, again, worried about the injuries uh, for Cam Newton. They're starting to stack up on him as well. Had a lingering shoulder injury. He's still not throwing, and we saw this two years ago with Andrew Luck 
who was optimistic the entire preseason, thought he was going to miss OTAs, he did, thought he was going to miss the preseason, he did, thought he was going to miss maybe a game or two, which he did, but then he eventually just sat out the entire season to fully recover. Now, Andrew Luck came back, and he's arguably better than ever now that he's had a full two seasons uh, uh, pretty much to recover, which is great. Will Cam Newton actually do that? I'm not 100% sure. Uh, with Cam Newton's ego personally, what he means to the city of of Charlotte and, and North Carolina and what he means to that franchise, I'm not sure that the Colts – or excuse me, the, Car- um, the Panthers are willing to do what the Colts did and just sit their franchise quarterback and kind of you know forfeit a season more or less, which Jacoby Brissett came in for the Colts and did did admirably, but I'm not sure that that the Panthers are – going to rely on Will Greer coming in as a rookie from West Virginia right away. I do think that Will Greer gets his chance this season if Cam Newton does play, because I just think Cam's going to get hurt with a concussion or a shoulder injury eventually, and Will Greer will get his time to shine. And I actually have a bold prediction that Cam Newton is moved out of Carolina next year and Will Greer takes over, but that's for another episode. However, I'm just not sure that he's going to run much. Uh, Cam Newton, that is, he'll run much even if he does play, and and he's not that good of a passing quarterback. Um, he chucks the shit out of the ball, so you know over a, a season worth of long completions, he gets his numbers, but he's not very accurate. We saw um, DJ Moore and uh, Curtis Samuel, you know, get the brunt of that last year. And uh, you know, Greg Olson is also hobbled his favorite target for the last handful of years. He's hobbled coming. Uh, potentially thinking about retiring, coming back out of there. Christian McCaffrey, of course, is is all world at the running back position, but I'm not sure he can do it all. And uh, I'm personally just just holding off on drafting Cam Newton. If you're drafting right now for some reason, uh, first of all, if you're in a season-long league, you should not be drafting until August earliest. But if you're drafting right now just real drafts, I would hold off. If you're mock drafting – you know, do what you want to do. It's a mock draft. But in those mock drafts, monitor where he's going, Cam Newton, and see if, you know, he's going in the ninth round right now. See if you want to get a late round quarterback to pair with him. You know, maybe a Lamar Jackson, Trubisky in the 14th, Sam Darnold even, Derek Carr, and just take that upside uh, to see if Cam Newton, you know, fizzles out potentially. So I'm not taking Cam Newton in any drafts this season. I think uh, he was on my do not draft list last year. Uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo and Cam Newton will probably be on it again this year. I'm definitely concerned about it, but I just wanted to mention him. He's a stud when he plays. I understand that, but he's going as the quarterback 12 right now. That'll probably boost if he starts playing uh, and starts throwing the ball and people get more comfortable with him, but I'm don't think he's going to run as much as, as effectively anymore that, you know, now that uh, Christian McCaffrey has shown what he can do. And I'm definitely concerned about, uh, his longevity over an entire season. So those are my overvalued quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Kyler Murray, and Cam Newton. Let's get on some positive here with two undervalued quarterbacks. These are quarterbacks with a current ADP lower than my current rankings. And first up, my man Dak Prescott. I am super bullish on Dak Prescott this year. And as I've mentioned uh, multiple times on the podcast, I am all in on on Dak this year. He was the quarterback six from week nine on after Amari Cooper was traded over from Oakland to Dallas. Dak had a 62.34 completion percentage before Amari Cooper, and that ballooned up nine points to 71.7 completion percentage 
after Amari Cooper with two games over 80% completion uh, percentage for Dak Prescott. He's about to get paid 30 million once the Cowboys, you know, agree to doing that, which, you know, your, your thoughts on him or Zeke, that's up to you. But I think Dak is going to be awesome for the Cowboys for a long time to come. I think it's a good move for them. And if Amari Cooper can stay healthy, I think it's going to be a great, great rapport right now. Dak Prescott is, he finished as the overall quarterback 10, even playing not so well until Amari Cooper came in the first eight weeks of the season. He was the number one quarterback last season uh, before, or two seasons ago, excuse me, before Ezekiel Elliott went out with his uh, suspension. I think a lot of people forget about that. He's going as the quarterback 20 right now, the quarterback 20. So ahead of him, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ben Roethlisberger, Brady, Rivers, Winston, Newton, Kyler Murray, Goff, Wentz, (laughs) all these guys. I have him right now, Dak Prescott, as the quarterback 13. And uh, the only guys I have, except for the top ranks, I do have Goff slightly above him, but that might change depending on Gurley. I have Goff, Roethlisberger, Rivers, and Winston um, ahead of Dak Prescott, but that could definitely change. So I've got him as number 13. The public has him as number 20. I think he's got he's on that QB1 bubble at 13, and he definitely has the upside to be a top 10 quarterback. And as we saw last year in the second half, a quarterback six. Let's not forget that Dak Prescott does have some wheels. He is a great running quarterback. He does score on the ground. So I love that upside. And uh, now with the emergence of Michael Gallup, Jason Witten, who's not incredible, but he's definitely a main target and able to catch balls there at the tight end position coming back out of the booth. I think it's going to be a nice, nice move here for, for Dak Prescott. So I think he's really going under the radar. So my first undervalued quarterback is Dak Prescott uh, as my 13th quarterback. Next up, Mitch Trubisky, who is uh, the number 22 quarterback off the board right now in ADP. He was ranked 15th overall in 14 games last year. I've got him at 15. So he's right behind Dak Prescott. And the only one in between them is Carson Wentz, who I just went over. Mitch Trubisky would have been the quarterback nine over 16 games. He definitely has the rushing upside. Of course, he was fifth in the NFL in quarterback rushing ahead of Russell Wilson He's in the second year of Matt Nagy's offense, and he has a new weapon in rookie running back David Montgomery, who's taking over for Jordan Howard, who was just not a good fit. I think Jordan Howard's actually a quality NFL running back, but he was not a good fit for that offense, and I think it slowed things up a little bit. Let's not forget Tariq Cohen uh, is an incredible uh, multifaceted uh, running back as well although I think his efficiency overall goes down. But Tariq Cohen is a great running back. David Montgomery, I think, is going to be a great fit, and I think actually gets the start uh, over Mike Davis eventually. Awesome weapons. Um, They have uh, Allen Robinson, of course. They have Taylor Gabriel. They got Riley Ridley, who came in as a rookie, and they're bringing back Anthony Miller, who I love and who was injured last season. So there's a ton of weapons. Mitch Trubisky coming into his third year, second year in Nagy's offense, as I mentioned. I think he is going to be a steal in the late rounds. And I just mentioned he's going in the 14th round. I would boost him all the way up until like the 10th. I mean, if you're gonna if you're doing the late round QB thing, that starts about I would say maybe round 10. And going in round 10 as well, Jameis Winston, Rivers, Brady, Roethlisberger. Winston Rivers and Roethlisberger are the only quarterbacks that I have over and Prescott are the only uh, quarterbacks I have over Trubisky in the late rounds there. And he's going all the way into the 14th round. So 
um, I would definitely would take a chance on Trubisky there and take him late in the 14th and save some value there. At this time, I'd like to remind you about our media outlets outside of the podcast. So if you'd like to find us outside of the podcast, please leave us a like and a follow on Instagram at TCKpod underscore fantasy football, on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Facebook, you can find us at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast, or you can drop us an email at TCKpod at gmail.com. And of course, please leave a rate and review on this podcast. It helps us a lot to get your feedback. Before we get back into the rest of the podcast, Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Stay tuned. Hey, TCK Potters. I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. All right, let's get into the overvalued running backs. These are running backs with an ADP higher than my personal ranking. And we're going to start with Le'Veon Bell. Of course, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers, getting moved over to the New York Jets in the offseason. Le'Veon Bell as a player, as an individual athlete, is an absolute beast. We've known him as a perennial uh, number one running back off the board, top two, three. Last year, uh, he was getting picked a lot in the, in the top one or two in many, many leagues before he sat out the entirety of the 2018 season. He does not have a... Uh, ranking from last year, of course, because he didn't play. But right now he's going as the running back seven. And I have him on the board at 11, maybe lower, depending on how training camp and preseason goes. I'm really worried about Le'Veon Bell, to be honest. Again, it doesn't really have to do with him personally. It has to do with the team and the situation. Adam Gase comes in. Uh, the New York Jets are a very young football team. And their offensive line was tr- like absolutely horrendous last year. <laughs> I was going to say terrible, and and, and I, I actually almost said tremendous, which is just not accurate. They were treacherous, really, is, is uh, what's better. Um, he's been known to have slow starts uh, in the past few years, and the Jets' offensive line was the 32nd overall per pro football focus. Here's how the Jets' offensive line did last year, which is the bulk of my concern. They had the most stuffed runs for no gain or loss at 26%. 26% of the time, a quarter of their runs on the season were stuffed, meaning there was no gain or a loss on the play. 
This stat alone is a red flag for me and Le'Veon Bell uh, because he likes to wait behind the line. We all know him for his patience, which is really effective when you have a great offensive line. It's probably the opposite when the line is so bad as the Jets are. So that right there is a red flag for me for Le'Veon Bell. They were also 28th in getting to the second level to the uh, linebackers, um, which is not good. That's where he can make one man miss. Uh, that's where he can juke somebody out with his athleticism and get more yards. But if they can't get him to that second level, that's not going to be effective. And they were also 26th in yards per carry overall last year. Now, I understand they had nobody on the roster to the magnitude of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Isaiah Crowell is certainly not that guy. Elijah McGuire is not that guy. But I'm still worried about it. Now, I have him as an RB1 right now, so I don't absolutely hate Le'Veon Bell, but I'm concerned absolutely about his overall value, and people are taking him as the 11th running back off the board, and that concerns me. Um, Adam Gase has already commented that he did not want to pay for Le'Veon Bell in the offseason, and since the Jets' GM Mike McCagnan was fired and let go, and the Jets will be improved this year, but I believe still a year away. And I'm looking up who is also around his ADP right now, and currently uh, he is, let's see, David Johnson is around him, Gurley, James Conner, Mixon, Dalvin Cook. I would rather, I would rather have James Conner. I'd rather have Mixon. I'd almost rather have Cook and Chubb, depending on how the situation breaks down. I'm not on Gurley, but it's I'm worried about Le'Veon Bell, and I caution the rest of you to really look in and dive deeper on Le'Veon Bell and not just remember the name, but really think about the situation. The Steelers perennially had one of the better offensive lines in the league, plus they had Le'Veon Bell. They had a Pro Bowl, potentially Hall of Fame, um, Super Bowl winning quarterback as well. So they had many, many other options to take eyes off of Le'Veon Bell. The Jets do not. Robbie Anderson is not going to do enough to take uh, all eyes off of Le'Veon Bell. So worried about that, most certainly. Let's move on. Devonta Freeman is my next overvalued running back. He finished 105th in 2018, but he only played in two games. So that's obviously skewed. He is right now going as the one uh, right wide receiver, sorry, the running back 14. I have him as running back 21. He would have been running back 44 if he played 16 games at the pace he was at, which was just about seven points per game. Not very good. Obviously, it's skewed and not legit because he only had a game and a half to go off of before injury, but injuries are the issue with Devonta Freeman. Week one, he had a, a right knee contusion. Came back week five. He had a bone bruise in his foot and then a sports, a sports hernia ended the rest of his season. That was last year. Dating back to 2017, he sprained his MCL and PCL and he, he has two concussions on his resume. Another concussion in 2015. So three altogether and perhaps one more concussion away from being out of football for good. According to Sports Injury Predictor, which I highly recommend you all check out, he has a 50.4 chance, so 50% chance of getting re-injured in 2019. Now, I understand that's a 50-50 chance on paper, and every every athlete has a 50-50 chance. However, that's not exactly true. 
once you get hurt, it's easier to re-injure yourself. Or if you're if you're susceptible to injuries at some point, then it's easier to get hurt. So 50% is uh, is a very high percentage for someone to be predicted to have another injury. So considering he is a medium risk, according to the sports injury uh, predictor, um, he's a medium risk to get injured again in 2019, which is, is uh, you know, just something I'm staying away from at his ADP right now. He was the number one running back in 2015. As we remember, he took the league on fire. He actually passed up Adrian Peterson that year for the number one slot in 2015. In 2016, he was the RB6, but since then, he has been hurt. For me, he's too much risk at the ADP of the back of the second round. Right now, he's going in the second round at the 11th pick. I would rather have Marlon Mack, Leonard Fournette, even Josh Jacobs, a rookie in Oakland, going after Devonta Freeman. So I will pass on Devonta Freeman. You won't be seeing him on any of my teams. And frankly, he will probably be on some of my, uh, or, you know, my do not draft list once uh, we get into those as the season gets near. But I'm worried about Devonta Freeman. Also, I won't get into it because I'm going to get into Dirk Cutter um, coming back to Atlanta and that offense in another episode. But essentially, Dirk Cutter was not able to get the run game going when uh, he was in Tampa Bay. And they did well. Uh, when he was in Atlanta the first time, but Devonta Freeman uh, was not part of that. So I'm a little bit worried about that situation, and I'll get into that another time. But I think this is going to be another pass-heavy year for the Falcons, and Devonta Freeman is not that excellent in the pass game anyway. With the MCL-PCL strains and the concussions, I am definitely concerned moving forward. Let's move on to my third uh, overvalued running back, and that is Derrick Henry. He finished 16th overall. He's going as the 18th running back, and I have him as the 19th running back. I'm more concerned that he's going in the back of the third round than him being the you know 18th running back off the board. Picking him in the third round, to me, is very risky, and it has a lot to do with the uncertainty of the Tennessee offense in general. Derrick Henry's workload, if he were to take on, say, 20, you know, 20, uh, touches a game, which of course his numbers would be inflated because he beast out. But could he keep that up for 16 games in the third round? I would rather take Stephon Diggs, let's say, and then look at like Aaron Jones or Carryon Johnson in the fourth or fifth round instead of looking at Derrick Henry in the third round and then running out of uh, wide receivers, top end wide receivers in the fourth round. So. We all know that in uh, weeks 14 through 17, Derrick Henry was absolutely out of his mind. He was the number one running back in fantasy football weeks 14 to 17. He was also the number five running back from uh, week nine on, but I'm not sure what the Tennessee offense is going to look like. Former Tennessee tight ends uh, coach is now the first time offensive coordinator. He's never called plays, which I'm definitely concerned about, and former Head coach Matt LaFleur is now in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. So we're not really sure how the offense is going to go here, and I'm definitely concerned about that. His overall carry count only surpassed 10 carries once in uh, weeks 9 through 12. Now weeks 14 through 17, he was beastly with 87 carries, 585 yards, and 7 touchdowns. So let's keep that up, but honestly, I, I doubt that he will uh, with a new play caller. But again, that carry count being you know less than ten, um, you know three times in four weeks is not what we're looking for. I'm not worried about Deion Lewis, and I'm not really worried about the rest of the uh, you know passing assault taking care of 
um, or, or getting rid of, I should say, Derrick Henry's offense. But I am concerned about his overall workload and, and what it's going to look like for Tennessee. So I'm probably – I wouldn't say like Derrick Henry's not on my do not draft list. I would take him at certain value, but I'm I'm looking at him. I'm, I only have him one spot lower than ADP right now. So this is kind of a, a silly comparison, but it still feels dirty to me for some reason. Now, I can't put him down in like the RB3 zone, but right now he's a he's a kind of a lower-end RB2, and we'll see how everyone else shakes out. But honestly, he might be lower than that once the season gets started. Let's move on to the undervalued running backs. These are running backs with uh, the ADP lower than my ranking. So really quick to, to jump back here, overvalued running backs, Le'Veon Bell, Devonta Freeman, and Derrick Henry. My undervalued running backs, I have three, uh, four here. Let's start with Joe Mixon, my man. Joe Mixon absolutely crushed last year, helped me go undefeated in our league of record and take it down. Got him in the second round last year and rode him the entire season. He finishes number 10. He's going as number 10. I have him all the way up at number six right now. I have uh, the big four that everybody knows, of course, um, and that's any order of Zeke, uh, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Alvin Kamara. And then I have Melvin Gordon at number five, and I have Joe Mixon at number six, which I think could be a little bit uh, beefy for some folks, but frankly, Mixon absolutely crushed last year, and the Bengals were fucking horrible. He led the AFC in rushing uh, yards last year in just 14 games. The Bengals' offensive line was banged up all year, and they had injuries to A.J. Green and Andy, Andy Dalton as well, putting more focus and pressure on the run game. But even with the injuries, Cincinnati was seventh in power ranking overall, fifth in power success, which is first downs and touchdowns on third or fourth and short, 11th in second-level runs, and third in runs of over 10 plus yards per carry average per team. So I just mentioned how bad the Jets were on second level runs. They were dead last in the league. The Bengals were above league average at 11th in second level runs, and they had a shoddy offensive line. They had um, shoddy quarterback play halfway through, and A.J. Green missed time as well. So everyone was targeting the run, and they still did very, very well in the run game, and I expect more of the same in 2019. Uh and I strongly encourage people look into Football Outsiders um, online, and it's a great resource for in-depth stats such as you know second-level runs, uh, power success, power ranking, offensive line things, um, stats, and, and breakdowns for these teams and and players. Because you can dissect the player and their stats from fantasy football as much as you want, but with somebody like a running back, you want to think, okay, did that guy just make all those plays happen himself, or? Did the did the offensive line beast out and and make those gaps for him, or was the offensive line shitty and he did everything on his own? In in New York Jets case with Le'Veon Bell, what I'm worried about is that the Jets offensive line is going to be horrible, and Le'Veon Bell is going to have to make everything happen for himself, which I don't think he's going to be able to do to the magnitude of an RB one. I'm, I'm worried about that for sure. Now in Pittsburgh. Le'Veon Bell was able to make it happen because they were so beasty up front overall with the Steelers. So he was able to, you know, get holes open, obviously play in the passing game. He's probably good for 70 catches or so, but it's just a matter of how much he's really going to get done in those scoring opportunities. Joe Mixon, on the other hand, I think is going to have a, another, you know, a re-breakout season, honestly. Andy Dalton hopefully stays healthy. Now, he's not magical, but he's a competent quarterback. A.J. Green's one of the best receivers still in the league. The emergence of Tyler Boyd, of course. John Ross could potentially get it done. 
they have Uzama as the tight end who can make it happen. Tyler Eifert is still playing kind of. Um, I really think that they're going to have uh, good opportunities here. Now, Gio Bernard's still around, but he hasn't been an issue as a backup for many, many years unless somebody gets hurt. They did draft two running backs, but both those guys come in with injury risks, and they're not going to surplant Joe Mixon unless he gets hurt. So I really, really like Joe Mixon. He's kind of my my overall running back sleeper right now. Um, going as the number 10 running back, I have him as number six. Let's move on here to my second undervalued running back, and that is the – um, maybe the the favorite uh, favorite running back here on the TCK pod. That's James White, who Daniel is all about and in love with last year, and rightfully so. He finished as the seventh running back, which is unbelievable. I'm pretty sure if I were to quiz you, which I should have before I told you that, who was the number seven running back in PPR fantasy football? I highly doubt many of you would have guessed James White, but certainly certainly impressed last year. He was the seventh running back last year, played all 16 games, This year, he's going as the 28th running back. I have him currently slotted as the 26th running back, so just two two places higher. But that could easily creep into my RB2s by draft season. I think you know I'm probably going to have him, depending on how that backfield shakes out. And if Burkhead gets cut, which I think he might, um, then I could see James White moving up, and I will tell you why. James White set career highs in rush attempts with 94 rush yards with 425, rushing touchdowns with five, receptions with 123, receiving yards with 751, and receiving touchdowns with seven. Now, James White to score 12 touchdowns last year is pretty insane for a back who's pretty much just a scat back, kind of a Darren Sproles dude. But the point is, he's able to do it. He plays in a great offense. Tom Brady trusts him. Tom Brady loves him. He did score Three touchdowns versus Atlanta in that magical comeback in the Super Bowl. He was named Super Bowl MVP. And I think uh, Gronkowski retiring leaves only Edelman as the only other check down option for Brady, who is still throwing it down the field. And with Nikhil Harry coming in from Arizona State, he's going to be chucking it down. But when it's not open right away, Tom Brady is one of the most cerebral quarterbacks in the league, of course. That's what's allowed him to play into his 40s. He is going to check it down. He's smart. If Edelman's not open right away, Nikhil Harry's not open right away, they're going to be knocking it down, and I think that that's going to be James White for a lot. A lot of receptions once again, and he is able to rush, and they do use him in the red zone quite a bit. Another thing is Sony Michelle only caught seven balls last year in 13 games. He had 11 targets, seven catches for Sony Michelle, which is ridiculous because he can catch the ball out of Georgia. But nonetheless, he only had seven catches last year in 13 games. As I mentioned, Burkhead might not even make the team. And third-round rookie Damian Harris out of Alabama would spell Michelle, not James White, I don't think. So I'm not worried about James White losing playing time, frankly, to anybody. White had eight-plus targets in eight games in 2018, including 17 That's right, 17 targets in the playoff win against the L.A. Chargers. He had 15 receptions in that game, 17 targets against the Chargers in the playoffs. So James White is a beast and undervalued severely. To move on, two more here. I have Royce Freeman for the Denver Broncos, second-year running back, finished last year. At the as the 47th running back right now, he's going as RB 39, and he is uh, basically going in the eighth round. This is kind of a gut call here. Uh, Lindsey had offseason surgery on his wrist and is hoping to be back in time for 
training camp, but he's missing OTAs right now. So that's definitely a good news for Royce Freeman to get extra work. Even if Freeman, I'm sorry, even if uh, Lindsey comes back, Freeman gets all those first snaps until, you know, he Freeman, uh, Lindsey comes back to spell him. Freeman gets all those first round snaps, which is going to establish the rapport with Flacco and rookie quarterback Drew Locke, who I think eventually takes over that position in about probably starting by week set, uh, week six, I would imagine. So that being the case, it's a good time for Royce Freeman to um, create that rapport with his with his teammates this year with Lindsey being out. Royce Freeman had uh, four yards per carry last year and did well in week 17 when Lindsey was held out with that wrist injury, posting 17 carries for 60 yards and eight uh, catches on 10 targets for another 43 yards through the air. So he had um, 25 touches for uh, 103 yards, um, which obviously is is nice for a quote-unquote second-round running back. But many, many people, I know in our league of record, Royce Freeman was taken in the third round. He was taken in the fourth, fifth round of many drafts last year. Nobody drafted uh, Philip Lindsay. He came out of nowhere and obviously took the league by storm, You know, rushing for 1,000 yards as a rookie. But Royce Freeman is the truth. I've gushed about him enough on this podcast. I won't go into my whole Oregon Duck love, uh, but you know he is one of the top collegiate rushers of all time um, in a very, very prestigious running back core at the University of Oregon. So I love Royce Freeman's talent. I love the position that he's in. I actually really like the offense in general for the Broncos. I don't like Flacco at all, but I think that you know once Flacco takes a back seat and Drew Locke is ready to go, that's a young receiving core, young running backs, nice offensive line, good defense. I think the Broncos can be contenders moving forward and i'm not sure that uh, philip Lindsay is going to be able to hold up uh freeman is a much bigger back so my belief is in freeman both freeman and Lindsay are second year players and Lindsay uh is missing valuable time so that could certainly be costly and getting him in the back of the eighth round is a steal honestly uh i'd rather draft him over Lindsay in the fourth round that's for sure especially with him not even playing right now and i like freeman uh, to outperform Philip Lindsay overall in 2019. My last back here for undervalued running backs is Matt Breida, who is with the San Francisco 49ers. He finished 26th in just 14 games last year. He is right now going as the running back 53 in the 13th round, which is absolutely insane. He would have been the running back 20 if he played over those 16 games. Brita led the NFL in rushing through week four before injuries started to pile up on him and caused him to miss many snaps over many games, but he did gut out 14 games. I know there's uh, Tevin Coleman who came over from Atlanta and Jarek McKinnon who was signed last year, uh, but unfortunately he, you know, uh, tore his ACL and uh, really like the the day before the season. Um, so he sat out last year. But I'm not buying Jarek McKinnon to stay healthy. He was injured often in uh, Minnesota, comes over to San Francisco, gets hurt right away as well. I don't think he's going to take, you know, 15, 20 touches a game. Tevin Coleman might, but I'm not I'm not sure he can hold up either. I'll get to him in one second. But Jarek McKinnon um, is just not really likely to stay healthy. And, and frankly, I'm still pissed that the 49ers signed him and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but there's another topic. Um, Tevin Coleman is a solid running back, and he's Shanahan's guy from Atlanta, but hasn't really taken advantage of the lead back opportunities in Atlanta when he's had them when Devonta Freeman's gone out, and he allowed Ito Smith to cut into his work last year when he did have the number one running back role there. So 
Tevin Coleman is certainly going to be the starter, and it's come out that he is the top dog right now. I don't think he's going to be that guy, though, overall when all said and done. Um, honestly, I, I, I think that it's going to be a true, uh, a true committee. Um, McKinnon and Coleman are going to get the first, first, you know, first run at the pass catching back and the every down back. But one of those guys goes down. I really like Brito's chances. It's going to be a true committee and a shit storm, frankly, for <laughs> fantasy owners. But in these situations, I generally take the lowest value. And in this case, it's Matt Brita. And I actually happen to like Matt Brita the most out of the three anyway. Um, I think it's fair game come training camp and Brita is a beast. I'm calling it now. I think he is the San Francisco running back to own. And I think he leads the 49ers in fantasy production in 2019. I really do. You can either have Coleman in the seventh, McKinnon in the eighth, or Matt Breida in the 13th round. For me, it's Matt Breida all day, and it's not even close. I made an Instagram post about this, so please hit me up on the Instagram. Let me know my thoughts. Check that post out about who you would rather have at their ADP right now. Coleman in the seventh, McKinnon in the eighth, or Matt Breida in the 13th. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to email us your fantasy questions heading into 2019 to tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at tckpod underscore fantasy football. Twitter, you can find us at tck underscore pod. And on Facebook, we're at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast page. If you've gotten any value from this podcast, please leave a rate and review for the podcast and give us a like and a follow on our socials. It really does mean the world to us. Make the most of the rest of your day, and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sky Guasco, and I am out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.